T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of The Connection. I am one of your co-hosts, Ann Baldwin, president of Baldwin Media, and... You're back. I'm back. Lisa dematis Lapore, CEO and president of The Connection. How are you doing, Lisa? I'm doing great. You know, it's interesting. You and I have been dealing with some issues with our elderly parents, right? So difficult. I know. And last time you missed the show because you got a call right before it that your mother had fallen. So how's she doing? She's doing okay. She didn't break anything. So that's positive. Well, that's She's huge. all banged up. That's, you know, but it's difficult. It Especially is. since my father died. It'll be a year. So it's been hard for her. It's hard. You know, I got up at 5 o'clock this morning to take my dad for a second cataract. He would have had it two weeks ago had he not gotten drunk and fallen in his apartment and cut his head open and ended up in the ER. So hard. Oh, my God. Isn't it? It's like you can't make this stuff up. You can't. You really can't. No, you really can't. But it sounds like at least you have a normal mom. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I guess. She's wonderful, but, you know. I know. We all have her. You know, I'm really thinking about starting a support group because, you know what, if you don't laugh about it, you're going to freaking cry and never stop crying. Oh, you have to. Right? But it's really hard to see your parents' age and to, they start losing interest in the things that they really loved and sort of that cycle. You know, and my dad's mean. You know, if he, I tell people, and he might be listening to this program, if he weren't my dad, I'd have nothing to do with him. That's what I'm dealing with. But anyway. It's hard. All right. So we won't get off on that topic. That's not, uh, one for another day. But I'm just so excited that, you know, I made a last-minute call. I had lunch a couple of weeks ago with Ryan McGuigan, attorney Ryan McGuigan. And I follow him on Facebook. And if you haven't followed him on Facebook for nothing else, you've got to follow him just to see the Bears videos because he's always in his car with his daughters and now his extended family, and they're having so much fun. He's got the best outlook on life. But you know what? Life hasn't always been great for Mr. McGuigan, right, Ryan? It's been a little. It's it's been a rough ride. It's been a, it's been a very good and difficult year. You know, and and. That's what I really want to do is because, you know, when we, before we started this program, um, you said, well, you know, we can say this, we can't say that. So I want you to tell your own story because when I had lunch with you a couple weeks ago, um, I had, the reason that I reached out to you is I saw on Facebook that you were taking somebody to rehab in Florida. Correct. And I said, I want to talk to you about that. I, that, um, that young person, I'll just, I won't, I won't name names. Of course He's a client, so there's, there's confidentiality there. Uh, but he uh, was a young man, and uh, he was struggling with addiction, and he had been in, incarcerated for, for about his eighth month, I believe. Um, and I um, found him, well, actually, he found me, uh, through jail talk. And some people who uh, had come and gone into, um, well, got into recovery through prison, uh, they then um, mentioned me um, to him as somebody who could possibly help him with addiction issues, uh, and he was uh, addicted to opiates. 
Uh, and after a few months of meeting with him, I, I figured that he seemed to be a young lad who uh, I should probably take a chance on. How uh, old? He was 23, so he's young enough um, to to be able to uh, – well, he's young enough that he didn't know anything really about addiction, and he didn't know anything about his own addiction, and he was uneducated about how dangerous it was. Um, you know, young people do understand, they do get the message that if you take opiates, uh, you are committing suicide slowly. Uh, and they understand that, and yet they do it anyways. Why is probably for another day. Um, but with this young man is I needed to get him to a place where he would have uh, hope for a better future uh, because that's key in, in recovery is being, being able to tell people that there's a better life for you than the, than the one that you're leading for yourself. You know, and that's an interesting point, Ryan, because one of the services that the Connection offers is, you know, so incarceration, it's either, you know, like what they told me when I went into rehab, it's either rehab it's incarceration or death. The morgue, yeah. Or the right. morgue, yep. right? And and so, Lisa, I think... Ryan, death. Right. So I think Ryan brings up a really good point that how interesting is it to intervene with these people before they get to that point, Ryan? And, you know, you told me at lunch that you tell people, like, this is it. Like, you can go to rehab and take it seriously or your option is is, you know, a life of prison, right? And... This this young lad w was looking at an extended um, uh, stay. In, Why? In because prison. he had DUIs, or he had no, no. Uh, he had mostly w what we would call um, a a a, for lack of a better term, a junkie's rap sheet. Um, breaking into cars, uh, stealing change, uh, breaking into garages, looking for things that he could pawn for drugs. So he must have been from the inner city. Uh, he was from Middletown. So he wasn't. And, you know, and I think that's the other interesting component, Lisa, right, is that we're not talking about inner city kids now. We're talking about when it comes to opioid, when it comes to heroin, when it comes to today's issues, it's not the stereotypical inner city kids. No, there was a, a young girl um, that I, I took to rehab about. This young man that I, that I just took was my 52nd person that I've taken wow. to rehab. And back probably in about three or four, well, maybe four or five years ago, there was a young lady uh, who grew up in Avon. Mm -hmm. And she uh, grew up in a very nice neighborhood in Avon. And she was 19 years old. She graduated from Avon High School in the top of her class. Mm -hmm. And she lived among affluent people all of her life. And she, when she came into my office, and she had been arrested with for possession of a lot of, of bags of heroin. And and her mother said, I can't believe this. She did this, and she was obviously holding this for somebody else and, and was in denial. And I talked to the young lady for, in private for about a half an hour, and we brought the mom back in, and, and we said, well, you know, she has something to tell you. I'm not going to tell you she is. And she told her mother that she had a 35-bag-a-day heroin addiction, 35 bags a day. How she was alive, I had no idea. And so I was able to convince mom after a lot of tears and anger and, and shock that the best place for her daughter was to, was for mm -hmm. to go to Florida. And so I, I got her on a plane that afternoon, I believe, and I took her on a 4 o'clock down to, to Florida, and I got her into rehab. And she is um, today, she's on one of my Facebook friends, and uh, I see her, I, I'll just call it Cat. that's her nickname, mm -hmm. and she, I see her on Facebook every day, and she... She is a um, 
she's she's one of the good examples. That's wonderful. Of 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 um, how you can recover and you can have a better life. So Lisa, you see this. I mean, you Every see day. the destruction. You see, you know, sometimes it it takes, sometimes it doesn't take. Um, you know, and the fact that you, Ryan, and we'll get into the fact in a minute that you as myself you're a person in recovery Mm -hmm. when we had lunch you didn't know that about me I didn't know that about you Mm -hmm. you know and it's so great you know it's just like it's so neat to to meet somebody like you know a Ryan McGuigan who is so successful who's the best dad who just got married who's expecting another baby any minute probably by the time the show airs you would have had him no no it'd be a month she's due on February 8th Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. So, so I, I still mean, have a month of quiet, peace and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. But you know, I just love it. I love it to see that real people are putting a face and a voice on their recovery, and that's what we have to do if we're going to help people. And it's it's mainstream folks, you know. And that's where again the connection comes into play to say, you know, you got to treat this. It's systematically sometimes from the family down, and sometimes from the person up. It doesn't just start with the individual there's stuff that went on in our lives that had made us right and you see it every day Lisa we do we see it every day and you know we see every walk of life from the most affluent you know just across the spectrum so really addiction is not prejudice we see that on a regular basis I don't think society always realizes that they don't and I classify it with you know certain kind of individual and that's not true it's not you know and Ryan it's interesting to me because you know back in my channel 30 days your dad was my go-to guy. Like, he was the main attorney, and he was like, you know, that name still resonates with so many people. Mm-hmm. But it's not always what you think it is, right? So can you talk a little bit about your story? Because you've had one hell of a year, good and bad. Yeah, I got I got sober uh, almost 10 years ago. So our baby is due on February 8th, and God willing, I'll... I'll have 10 years of sobriety on February 9th. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so um, that's, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm also hoping that she's born on February 9th because I'll never forget her birthday. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, got, I, I went to rehab um, 10 years ago. Uh, I was a typical um, Irish kid who just started drinking when I was about 16, and I, I think I had my first beer when I, with my dad watching a Celtics game. Um, and it seemed in, in my family and in my culture uh, very normal for people to uh, drink mm-hmm. and to drink in excess. And it almost was a point of pride uh, for, uh, for males in, in my demographic uh, to, um, to try to outdo one another who, who could drink the most. And so I, I, I always was a very good student. And um, as your point, Lisa, that the addiction doesn't discriminate and it, no. and it also has nothing to do with how smart you are or intelligent nothing. because I was always a, 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 a an A student. Um, I went to boarding school and I went to a fine college and law school and I was a great student and I graduated cum laude and everything that I did and I was a binge drinker and so I would drink on Fridays and Saturdays and I told myself well if I just do that I'll never become right. an alcoholic because alcoholism uh, was, has, and is in my family and, and will be because we are um, genetic alcoholics. And yeah. my grandfather was an alcoholic. My other grandfather was an alcoholic. And um, there have been people in my family, obviously. I'm not going to out them. And you have to pay attention to that, don't you? Yes. I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like my dad is an alcoholic. He he won't admit it. 
Guess what? But how My do father you? Father was an alcoholic. Really? Yeah. You know, um, and you know, it was and funny. He was an attorney, and he was in the, on the Mensa Society. Functional, br- functional, functional alcoholic, yeah. right? That's what I was. Yeah. You know, and I was with my dad the other day at the memory care doctor, and he goes, "You know, I shipped, I strip, uh, tripped, excuse me, over my shoestring." I said, "Really? You know what, Dad? You didn't. You were drunk. You were messed up, and it's in your report. It's in the mm-hmm. the ambulance did a breathalyzer, and so quit denying it." You know, but you can't fix stupid, right? I mean, what are we going to do? What can we do? But see, Lisa, you don't have the addiction. No, I don't. I think we just, maybe it's the Irish thing. She's Italian. We got the curse. Uh, yeah, well, um, <laughs> nor, nor, Northern Europeans. And there's, there's, I've studied a lot about it. There's, there's an interesting theory behind it um, with Northern Europeans, and it has to do with water. And so in medieval times, um, after the, the fall of the Roman Empire, I'm not going to get too deep into history, but I, it's one of my, it's my hobby. But um, the fall of the Roman Empire, obviously with aqueducts, water is very important to Romans. Northern Europeans had well water. Um, and when you're drawing up well water, and they didn't have a very good idea of, of um, keeping things uh, clean, they would urinate near their well mm-hmm. and obviously get themselves diphtheria and die of, of diphtheria. So the only safe drinking water was water that had ethanol in it because it would kill any and all bacteria. So people drank mead. And, and young children drank mead as well because they didn't drink water. So they would either drink breast milk or they would have goat's milk or they would have mead at a very, very young age, even like two, three years old. Uh, the, May, the, pe- the Mayflower landed in Plymouth because they ran out of beer. That's a true story. They ran out of literally drinking oh, water because no. the only thing they had to drink was meat because it wouldn't get bacteria. So the people who could process acetaldehyde, which is a byproduct of, of, of ethanol, um, they would therefore pass on their genes at 14, 15 years old. Children who could not process acetaldehyde would die. So therefore, only people who could process ethyl alcohol would actually pa- pass their genes on, and therefore, through genetic selection, you have a higher percentage of people who are alcoholics in Northern European uh, countries. Which is the Irish? Irish, Scandinavians, Polish, um, Germans, English. Um, it's it's wow, fairly wow. prevalent. That's amazing. That is amazing. That is. And amazing. then when you see Southern Europeans, Mediterraneans, uh, Greeks, Italians, Southern Spanish people, they don't seem to have. The, the large amounts, per percentages of, right. of alcoholism that Northern Europeans have. And, and that's a theory behind it. So let's turn now, Ryan, if you're comfortable with this, talking about your other loss this year. You lost a sister. I did. I lost my baby sister uh, back in May. And I and we lost her to addiction. And um, it was, that's the, uh, of all the people that I was able to, to help in my life or play some part in their recovery, um, that has been the, the, the hardest thing for me to, to accept and to process um, and to grieve for the better part of a year now. And with the holidays, it's it's even more difficult, and it's more difficult on her family than, so tragic. than probably they would ever, um, that anybody can really imagine. I mean, when you lose somebody so um, young and vibrant, and she was a physician's assistant, and she was brilliant all of her life. She's far and more intelligent than me. And a mom, mom. yeah, a mom of two. And how old? Are, how old um, were her children? Uh, six and three. Oh, so, so what tragic. happened? I'm not really at liberty to say. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this, then, and it's maybe a tough question: Is you've been in recovery for ten years? I have yeah. Um, why couldn't you help her? You can't. 
Um, you can only, uh, as the old adage is, you can bring a horse to water. That's true. And so uh, it's so true. I, I, in my own uh, recovery, I have been extremely fortunate, and I, I've never, I've never really. Once I left rehab, I, I never had a, a yen or a, or a desire to ever drink again, and I don't know why I'm, I'm so blessed that way, but I'm just grateful for it. Uh, other people's uh, rec- road to recovery is is far more difficult, and it's filled with um, more pitfalls, I suppose. And I and I don't I uh, I don't judge them. Uh, I just am just grateful for for me having never having uh, a, a desire to pick up a drink again. You know, it's interesting, Lisa, that Ryan says that because we don't know what goes on. And I'm not referring to Ryan's family dynamic, but, and that's where the connection to treats the whole family. You know, when I went to rehab, um, I, I hit like a brick wall because I wasn't emotional. I didn't have a traumatic, you know, incident in my life where I was abused or I was sexually abused or anything like that. And they're like, you know, everything's in your head and, you know, open up your heart. I didn't have that. You know, everybody's different. My thing was, you know, my trigger's been my father, and my father's still here. So I've had to learn how to better deal with my trigger. I mean, I can't, there's nothing I can do. He's here to stay. He's followed me around my whole life. It is what it is. You know, and much to my family's, you know, criticism, you got to get away from him. Well, you can't. That's you not can't. possible. Right. But you talk about you've got to treat the whole family. You've got to treat, like, what are the symptoms? What happened? You talk about a binge drinker. That's what I was. I yep. would. I didn't drink all the time, but when I started, I had no shut-off valve. Mm. That was my dad, too. Yeah, I just... But you know what I learned through my father's addiction when he was drinking? All of the childhood stuff that was so traumatic for him. And he was so... Look at how successful he was. Came from, a, a you know upper middle class family he was brilliant he had chances to become fbi we still have a letter from uh theodore roosevelt blasting him that he actually refused to go into the fbi i mean he was up for a judgeship he was absolutely a brilliant man but the things that that he witnessed with between his was really his mom right was horrendous he was the oldest son it was it was a nightmare and to hear that as a child like and i think the reason why i didn't drink is because i was so turned off and disgusted by what it did to him yeah and how it ruined his life that I couldn't it, it just I couldn't I couldn't I would not go down that path because I did not want my child if I have a son but my children to ever witness the pain that I saw through that man as a child it was absolutely heart-wrenching but you know what Ryan and I'm gonna turn this question to you is because like I told my kids so that you know okay you know like my daughter auditioned for the voice and she's a really good singer. But she goes, Mom, I didn't have a hardship story. I'm like, what are you talking about? Your mom's an alcoholic. She went to rehab. That's like a perfect pitch for, you know, for being on, you know, American Idol. I mean, you've got you, it. Use me. Use me. Use me. I'll, I, you know, I'll walk through the daisies and say, here I am. You know, but it's one of those things where, and I've told my kids, look, you can use this as a reason to be a failure and a reason to not be successful or you can look at it as a brick to build your foundation on and say you know what I went through this with my mom I still think I was I know I was a good mom I was the you know I've run my own household I've raised my own kids by myself so I'm not going to let anybody say oh you're an alcoholic you 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 messed up yeah I did but I still raised my kids well and so you can either take that and you can build upon that and you can be stronger 
or you can say this is a reason that I'm messed up but that I think that's with anything right in life anything that happens to you I don't know you could turn into a learning lesson or you don't I mean either some people don't but they don't but I think you have to stop the noise right Ryan you have to say look I don't want to hear about it because we've all we've all got our stuff and I go back to that meeting where if we all put our crap in the middle of a table and then we said you can either take your crap or somebody else's crap and walk out we take our crap back because somebody else's crap is always worse agree yeah um like the 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 stories that that i've heard over over the years um uh, mine pales in comparison to the point where i i really stopped telling my story because it's i've had many people say my that's that's a really boring story you know you just you gotta you gotta spice that up a little bit <laughs> like didn't you get beaten or something i'm like no no like you get thrown in jail no nothing really bad happened to me i mean everybody has everybody recovers at some point especially at my age i'm 46 now and so you kind of look back and when you have i mean i have my fifth child is on the way so i've had a lot of experience with raising kids and so when you look back on it and on how your parents raised you obviously you sort of question you go what was that all about exactly and you say well how could they let me ride in a car without a car seat and i have like scars to prove all of it i mean the bad ones on top of my head um but so we you know especially as recover recovering people um need to to process that and and a lot of those um resentments that we have oh yeah uh, because and then if we dwell on them what normally happens is we get our little resentment machine going and we replay it over and over and over again and the next thing you know it goes wow you know it was 10 times worse than i thought it was mm-hmm. well it probably wasn't you're just dwelling on it right you know and that's the thing about the connection too is because you know i know with my family i had like an intervention i could have been the season finale you know ratings winner for intervention because i walked into my living room and it was like four o'clock on a thursday half in the bag everybody's sitting around with their little letters and an interventionist and i'm not making light of this but i'm like holy mackerel here we go my daughter had packed my suitcase my fiance threw me in the shower and i left in an hour and a half wow you know it was one of those things but had i not done that i wouldn't be here today talking about this Mm -hmm. so that's the thing where we all have to learn from you know everybody else's experiences and that's where my family couldn't find access and for ryan for you to get on a plane and and feed somebody in some cases right alcohol the whole way down so they don't seize out uh alcohol um uh benzodiazepine anything that will get them down there as most of the recovery places will say whatever you could do to get them here we don't really care and you get a you're you get a pass but can i but i can but can i call you out on this one thing you said at lunch you have to be under the influence in some of these cases to be admitted to That's the rehab right. center. Unfortunately, how messed that up is, is that? Unfortunately, that is the, to that the is ER. The to the ER. Yeah. To the ER, you have to. Yeah. Because they'll route. pay for the medical expenses, but they won't pay for the rehab. These insurance companies. It's true. The ERs will not take. They won't you take you if you're under the influence of opiates. However, if you're going That's through true. opiate withdrawal, because no, it's right. not a life and death situation. Ironically, you think it would be, but it's, but not. it's not. They yeah. just get very sick. It's, it's so crazy. But withdrawing from alcohol will kill you. Yeah. Um, so Ryan, there's a lot of people out there that have a loved one that need to go somewhere. Um, do you open up yourself to help people? Or do you call do, yourself yeah. an interventionist? No, I don't call myself an interventionist because um, I'm, I'm an attorney, and uh, 
that usually would would create sort of a dual role. So I hold myself out as an attorney, and um, but ninety nine percent of the people that I come into contact with um, have some sort of a legal problem. Um, yeah. So what I usually right. tell them is is that uh, this is really bad for for business. Um, that I I try to help people with their legal problem, but I always tell them that you have an underlying life problem, and you know, 90% of my clients all have some sort of addiction issue. And I tell them if, if, if we can get a hold and a handle on, on this, this life problem of yours, I guarantee you that you will never need me as an attorney again, <laughs> uh, unless it's for a closing on a house. And I said, please give us a call, <laughs> you know, f- 10 years down the road when you're getting married and you have a closing on a house or you're opening up a business, you want to open an LLC. I'd love to help you. Um, but I'm hoping that I never see you again in, in these circumstances to be able to, to ever need someone like me again, so, which huh. is really bad, really bad for business. How cool is this guy? That's cool, though. Isn't it great? So if people want to reach out to you, Ryan, if they're mm-hmm. listening to this program, but you're going to sort through this stuff, just like, you know, the connection does, because there's criteria. You know, people can say, I need your help. I want to do this. But you sift through it. Right, and you say, "Look, here's here's who I'm willing to help, and if you don't agree to this, good luck." Well, be, that's that's true because um, I remember when I when I picked up my my one year chip, I actually went back down to Florida nine years ago. Nine years ago, too. Um, I went to go see uh, my spiritual advisor, and they wanted me to speak at the school because at that time I think I had brought like six clients, including um, like like best friends of mine, down to rehab. And um, they wanted me to, to give a speech about, you know, one year out and how did you do it kind of a thing. And one year, how'd you do it? Yeah, but I didn't know. And so I called my spiritual advisor and I, I said, you know, um, Father Skip, what, they wanted me to know, they want to know how I did it. And I don't know the answer to it. And he said one word, obedience. And that's the criterion that I will use for clients, whether or not you will do what you are told unquestioning. And That's if you exactly will right. do it, then you have a chance. If you are still stuck in yourself, there's nothing I can do. And all the money that you have, all the money that you throw at this problem, right. you're wasting your time and you're wasting your money. And I will tell parents that. I will tell loved ones that. That with this particular person, right now they are not ready to embrace recovery because they're not ready to give up the control of their own right. lives That's to key. onto somebody else or onto some other being. And if they don't want to do that, then there's nothing There's nothing that you can ever do for them. That's no, and true. you have to want it. You know, that's what someone said to me a long time ago. It's like, you know, I had to want it. I knew I had a problem for probably a year and a half, but until I said I have a problem and I need help, until I admitted that, nothing was going to fix my problem. Correct. Yeah. It, it's absolutely right. Also, we want to give out the uh, website to The Connection if you want to um, check into any of the services that they have to offer. And, you know, it's they work with a number of agencies from if you're coming out of incarceration, if it's a family issue, um, you know, foster parenting, all these things that, you know, there's usually an addiction component to everything, right? Absolutely. So the uh, email address, if you're looking for more information on this, is The Connection Inc., Dot org, or they also have a helpline, and that phone number is 855-HELP-955. So that's 855-435-7955 or theconnectioninc.org. So, Ryan, um, 
thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for sharing your your, you. your courage, strength, and determination. And thanks, most importantly, for helping others. Because sometimes, Lisa, it's an agency responsibility, but sometimes it's grassroots. It's person to person. It's recovery to recovery, right? Mm-hmm. It's real, I think it's really important, um, Ryan. I think you're a role model, and I think you should really be commended for believing in the recovery process and you're such an example for others and the fact that you're willing to take time from your own life to get the person on the road they need to be is just really I just I have a lot of gratitude and respect for what you do and it's very true that people that are struggling with a problem and in recovery there's no better role model than someone who's walked down that road and you're such an example for everyone fighting recovery right now so just a blessing to meet you today and thank you and I'm so sorry for your loss I appreciate that thank you so much for having me but I'm so happy for your gain yes yes and the baby. You know, yes so good. a little baby a little and your beautiful family your two beautiful girls and your blended family of another girl it's and wonderful. another boy and your wife and oh my god you're so blessed life is, life is so good look yes, at that smile it's, it's, look yeah. at that it's, smile see life is good when you're in recovery and when you're doing the right thing so thank you both of you thank you Ryan McGuigan attorney Ryan McGuigan and again he's available if you want to chat with him and also Lisa DeMattis Lapore thank you and happy new year everyone and thank you for listening to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.